Welcome to Campo and Joe, our podcast leading up to the draft. It is an exciting time. We're going to try and deliver as much intel to you as we possibly can. Joe C. from XL Primetime, noon to three, Monday through Friday. Hope you can tune in and check us out. And Dave Campo, he's been in these war rooms. He knows what's going on. Are you ready to break it down for us? Oh, I'm excited. This is this is when it gets exciting. It's yeah. the last week. Uh, unfortunately, with the Jaguars, we've been talking about this stuff since October and <laughs> And uh, here we are yeah. Uh, there, yeah. which makes it exciting. This is a season in and of itself that we had no idea was going to start in Halloween and going to end somewhere around Cinco de Mayo. Okay? Yeah, there you go. We will wake up and it'll be Cinco de Mayo after we have talked all this draft. So so here we are, and, and we're hoping that people are going to tune in, get last a last little bit of information to help them make the decision. Now, fans are trying to make this decision, Coach. This team is trying to make this decision. So let's start with a couple of things that are the biggest talking points right now, and then we'll kind of go uh, in, in a couple of other directions. But as you and I sit with our Campo and Joe podcast, there is chatter all around that Trayvon Walker is the betting favorite to be the number one overall pick. I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Why? Why is this happening all of a sudden? Well, first of all, you know, things change radically Paralysis by analysis, mm-hmm. the longer it goes, the more they look at people. I think one of the things with Trayvon Walker was, number one, he's a junior. Right. So the the amount of work done on him is a lot less mm-hmm. going into this draft because you don't know if he's coming out or not Right. than you are with a Hutchison, for example. Mm-hmm. So the more people look at him the more positive things they see. Mm-hmm. And so he starts rising. Then he goes to the combine and he blows out a 4-5-1 in the 40-yard dash. And unfortunately, I, I've heard people say the the, the shorts athlete, mm-hmm. all of a sudden everybody's excited. What it really does, though, is it causes you to look at more film on the guy right. if you hadn't done it mm-hmm. you know, when a guy has a great athletic day. Mm-hmm. So I think as it gets closer... More of his positive things have come out, and he's moved up. Now, how far he moves up, we don't know whether or not he's the number one betting mm-hmm. favor. They might have the number one betting favor, but they don't know who they're going to pick. No. They're, they're it, trying to get one where they got a chance to win as many over as under. Mm-hmm. And Vegas is convinced that there should be some money going in that direction. And I understand where they're coming from. I think more than anything else, the thing that pops for me, Coach, is that the fact that he has moved up this meteoric rise from the pro day, from the combine numbers? He ran a four-five-one as a two hundred and seventy-five pound edge guy. Uh, that fired everybody up. But the other thing is, does this say as much about the great unknown? Because there's no bona fide guy at the top, and that's why he's coming up this way. Well, I think that's part of it because I think this draft right now is not one where you say, "Okay, this guy's a guaranteed right. first pick in the draft." Right. These guys are your top five. These guys are your top ten. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit more different draft, and, 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 and especially in the positions that are the important positions, the quarterback, the, mm-hmm. the, the offensive tackle, the, the uh, edge rusher, the corners. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody sticks a different one up in there. You know, I see Stingley come up in there in the, in the top three, yeah. and then – a month ago, he was number eight or 10 or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, right. it just kind of ba- goes back and forth. But I think one of the reasons that all the prognosticators like 
they don't watch as much film as the scouts do for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And so they like that athletic number. He mm -hmm. runs fast. He looks smooth. He does this or he does that. But they don't watch every single play like the scouts do. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons that a guy can rise quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons a guy can fall, whether it's medical or you hear something about his off-field activity. Right. You know, there's all kinds of things that can make a difference as it gets close to the end. All right. So we are close to the end. So let's look at the notes because Coach Campo breaks it down as well as anybody. And like you just said, we can't watch all the tape, but some pluses and minuses, if we, if you can believe this, Coach, some pluses and minuses for the final time on Aiden Hutchinson and some pluses and minuses for the final time on Trayvon Walker. Because it, it seems to me the reason why Trayvon Walker is coming up is because people think that there's more upside. Now, that could be uh, kind of a two-edged sword. More upside because you haven't seen enough plays from him at that position or, or more upside because you think he could be a better football player two, three years down the road? Well, I think there's more upside possibly because we haven't seen as much of him, mm -hmm. you know, in a in a situation and his production has been low. Right. But you look at the measurables and you say, okay, uh, you know, this guy Walker, for example, uh, he, you've seen him drop in coverage. Mm -hmm. You've seen him do things that you haven't seen from Hutchison. Right. So... Uh, development-wise, he doesn't have all the pass rush moves that Hutchison has. Mm -hmm. Well, that means that he may be able to be developed and his athletic ability, the, the, the production might catch up with it based on his improvement in the areas that, it, that he can improve his pass rush. Mm -hmm. Right now, I think Trayvon Walker's a really good run player. He's physical. He can play inside at, at tackle uh, in third downs uh, on guards. He's got those things, but the thing that concerns you with him is his production. You know, why has he not done more with what he has? Yeah. Hutchison, on the other hand, has produced based on his ability to do certain things, his ability to rush the passer. He's a, He's got great hand movement. He can speed up the field and come back underneath. He has counter moves. He has all the things. Well, you know, maybe his... His peak has already peaked. Mm -hmm. That's the concern. I see. Whereas I, the other guy might be a little bit more developmental. All right. So I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to come back and say, well, wait a minute, coach. If he did all this and he's, you know, hit a certain productivity level, I can't consider that a threshold. I consider that the beginning of what could be a great career on the next level. I don't see anything flattening out from a guy that was more productive in their final year of college versus the and, other. And, and that's why I believe Hutchison will be the first pick, because mm -hmm. I believe he comes into the league, he's more prepared. Right. You know for sure that he's a good locker room guy mm -hmm. and that he's a, a, a studier. He, he mm -hmm. understands the game. He... He does all the intangible things mm -hmm. to add to the, the ability that he has. Those guys, the smart guys, the guys that have those intangibles, mm -hmm. usually are the guys that rise mm -hmm. to the occasion. So I think that's probably the, the, the thing that puts him in the lead right now. You know, one of the other things that we were trying to figure out, you had Aiden Hutchinson, you have uh, uh, Quiddy Pay a couple, I think it was last year, and then you had David Ajabo this year. There were guys that were on either end of that Michigan front that were pretty good. But then you look at Georgia and you just see how many good 
to great guys that were on that side of the of the football. And it's hard to not look good with that many other good guys. And we were even joking with uh, our buddy Hayes Carline from the Francis Show. He said he was the sixth best guy on that Georgia defense. Now, uh, I know he was probably exaggerating a little bit, but that's, I think, the worry for, for Jaguar fans. Well, he was, the guy? he was probably the third best guy on yeah. that on that team. Yeah. Uh, but in all reality, you're absolutely right. Uh, it, there's no question that uh, when when you have a guy like Ngakwe mm-hmm. that was here mm-hmm. who was really productive, that made Josh Allen mm-hmm. extremely productive. Mm-hmm. You sure. know, when you've got good players around you that are producers, mm-hmm. that they can't zero oh, in no on question. one guy. Yeah. And, and for me... Uh, it makes you look a little better when you're in that situation. Yeah. But when you're the guy, right? you know, that's a whole different story. And I think Hutchison, as far as his ability to rush the passer and affect the quarterback and do all the things he had to do, he was the guy mm-hmm. in that on that defense. And all right. that makes a difference. So you're, 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 you're not feeling terrible about defending an Aiden Hutchinson as the number one overall pick. You think there's enough good evidence there because he has played that position primarily and played at a pretty high level. And then you go to the next one. Okay, I can see maybe where they're thinking with the Trayvon Walker discussion. All right, so now you've been a head coach in the National Football League. You've seen a powerful owner and Jerry Jones step in and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. You've seen general managers at times that have you know had a very, very good uh, now plan and for the future plan. Take Doug Peterson, Trent Baalke, and Shad Khan, and tell me wh- how you think it will go over, say, the next forty-eight hours when they've got to make this decision. Well, I think uh, Doug Peterson and and Trent Baalke uh, have tried everything they can to be on the same page. Okay, and I think that's important because I think they have to get themselves together to where whoever is picked, mm-hmm. they're going to be. They're going to be champions of that pick, right? Not my pick or your pick or whatever. I think the one thing that you've got the dynamic here with Shad Khan is Shad Khan is not Jerry Jones. You know, he's not hasn't been close enough. He's put a lot of uh, uh, solid with the defense with the guys that are making the decisions. He's been very good with the people he's got with football people. Mm-hmm. That's not worked out all the time. Right. So I think he has his opinion that he doesn't want to gamble. And so to me, he's going to come in. He's going to make him, his position very well known. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that might be Hutchison. I don't know. But if he makes that, that decision, uh, he's going to listen to his football people when it's all said and done. But he's going to be very sure in his mind that yeah. they understand where he's coming from that affects their decision as yeah. well. This they, he can't get it wrong this time. No. And, and I think that's where I've arrived, is that, is that I believe Shad Khan would fit the description of a perfect owner. Let me just describe it real quick. Uh, perfect owner, I got a lot of money, I got a lot of passion to win, and I've got the trust in people to let them do their job. So those are three really important things. I don't mind writing checks, I don't mind giving you the power, but let's just go ahead and let's win some dang football games, Okay. It has not, the last part has not happened. And so I feel like Shad might be doubting, might be doubting himself just a little bit. But go back to the point that you made earlier on our show. He now has seen, after getting rid of the other people, 
He now has seen, at the very least for the here and now, a couple of guys work together for the common goal. And I think that's the key. I think when you look at that, you know, he's saying to himself, you know, I think he showed his true colors Mm -hmm. when he made the decision. You know, he came out and said, you know, I'm I'm tired of all this. I'm going to restructure the the front office. Uh, and everybody thought, oh man, you know, they're bringing in this guy and that guy, and they're going to be, he's going to be in charge of everything. And he may not make the final decision, but he's going to be on top of everything. And then after seeing Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke work together, he then changed his mind and said, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bring in an assistant GM to go along with. Uh, Trent Baalke. And by the way, the guy that they're bringing in is a Trent Baalke guy. Yeah. So I think he felt really comfortable after seeing the operation that Doug and Trent were going to come to a meeting of the minds and make the best decision for the football team. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's why I think he will, uh, you know, acquiesce to their decision. Mm -hmm. All right. So I feel like I'm with you with Aiden Hutchinson. I've got a question mark next to Trayvon Walker's name. Uh, I won't completely crush them on Friday if that's the direction they go. If I feel like there's some some you know merit to the choice, but I, I'm in the Aiden Hutchinson camp just like you are. I'm worried about Caleb on Chason not being a reliable weapon on the edge. I know that somebody needs to go opposite Josh Allen for him to have a chance, uh, and they haven't really put a whole lot of money in that particular position. All right, so how about you and I? play the game of we have selected Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon with that number one overall pick. Now what are we going to do at 33? Then what are we going to do at 65 and then 70? So let's start with 33. Where do you think we're going to go? Well, you know, again, it comes down to who's available and those kind of things. But if I was looking at it in my wish list, Mm -hmm. I think if I took uh, Hutchinson with the first pick, my next pick is going to be another big. It's going okay. to be an offensive lineman if there's one available. Mm-hmm. Linderbaum, Zion Johnson. Uh, interior lineman. Interior lineman, because that's an area where there is some question marks mm-hmm. inside. And and to me, taking the two bigs, you win at the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's important, especially for Trevor Lawrence, to make sure he's got protection. Mm-hmm. So... I would be hopeful that Linderbaum would be there because I think the whole thing starts with the center. Right. And I think the center position is one that uh, is extremely important as yeah. well. And yeah. they're losing Linder. Right. You know, that's going to be a big pick for him. So that's, I would look at that. Now, if I took one of the offensive guys first, mm-hmm. now I think I would be looking at what is I have with my club mm-hmm. is... It might be an edge rusher. It might be a boy Mafe okay. from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I would look at that, but I would also look at the linebacker position. A guy like Quay Walker or Lloyd, if he slipped down there, which I don't think the, the, either one of them are going to get out of the first round. Right. But that's where I would be looking with that yeah. number 33. And I always use the rule, and it doesn't always uh, uh, add up to 100% guarantee, but there are fewer big men. Okay, they're just less people walking the earth that are of that size, that speed, that strength. And if you get important positions handled, which would be that guy coming off the edge, affecting the quarterback, and then you get a guy that can pilot the middle of that offensive line, make all those decisions. If it's say a Tyler Linderbaum, uh, let's just go. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've checked this guy out enough, but Linderbaum is being mocked somewhere around late first, early second. Right. Then you've got Cam Jurgens from Nebraska that is being mocked somewhere late second, early third. 
could you get away with the idea of a wide receiver, maybe with that 33rd pick, and then come back and get that interior lineman, should he be available sure. right there at the top of the Sure, I think, I think that's where your board comes in. Okay. I think you look at your board and you say, whoa, uh, you know, we've got a much higher grade on, mm-hmm. on a wide receiver like Watson or Pickens okay. or whoever it is. Right. Uh, you know, and let's that, just say Linderbaum's gone. Yeah. Oh, okay. if, if Linderbaum's gone, I could see taking a receiver with the second, the, okay. the best available receiver. One of the that might be there is Burks. Okay. He could very well be there. Some have mocked him in the you know middle of the you know the twenty fifth, twenty fourth. But you know, to me, I've always felt that you know everybody says, well, you know, he's not a first round pick. He's mm-hmm. not a first round pick. He's not. There's only 20 guys that most of these boards have as first-round grades. Yeah. So anybody that you take from from 20 to 20, well, four, 35 or 40 are probably yeah. the same guy. Yeah. All right, so just take a look at this. And, and all we're doing is we're just taking a look at a mock draft of where guys could go. Jamison Williams, we don't know where he's going to go. That's a wild card. They've got him going 19th. Christian Watson, who's a guy that you love, they got him going 22nd. Then they got Traylon Burks going right after him, Jahan Dotson going right before the end of the first round. A total of seven wide receivers coach, which would certainly be a busy uh, first day for wide receiver skill position. A team could panic like Jacksonville, feeling like if these guys are coming off the board, they got to jump in and, and get one of them. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's a scenario you're going to see. If mm-hmm. the seven go... I think they'll go away from receiver. Mm-hmm. I think they'll we'll look for a the better. Best are gone. Yeah, we, we, we'll, we're going to go with what we've got right now, which we spent a lot of money exactly. on in free agency. True. Uh, you know, I, I, I really think to panic is not the thing to do. When you start doing that, then now you're picking for need. Okay. You know, and, and I think that's where you could go wrong because I guarantee after the seven receivers go, there's going to be somebody on that board mm-hmm. at, at an offensive line or as a, a, an edge rusher or a corner or somewhere. There's going to be somebody there that has got a higher grade, and I yeah. think that's, that's the way they will go. I, I love what you said, and it's something that probably needs to be repeated. Don't panic. Right. Don't, don't, don't panic. Don't freak out. Don't go, my gosh, we got – because it happens in the first round where there's a position run, teams will panic and they'll jump right. in there. Right, and I really think, for example, I, you know, I'm not – I don't believe that seven receivers will go in the first mm-hmm. round. Uh, again, 20 to 40, there's going to be a receiver in there that they've got picked in the top. Mm-hmm. five or six or mm-hmm. seven in that range. There will be one there. And if the linemen are gone, mm-hmm. they very well could take that guy because he's on his on their board. And, and I'll ask you to repeat what you have said before, and it's worth listening to. You just said 20 to 40. Okay, let's just say prospect 20 through 40. They will all have about the same grade. Explain Correct. that a little bit. Well, you know, obviously there's a grading system. Mm-hmm. And when that final grade goes up there, it's all broken down. You know, this guy is a is an elite player. Mm-hmm. He's an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy is a uh, definite starter. Mm-hmm. He's a seven one, seven two, seven right. three. These guys are guys that will be starters within two years. Mm-hmm. Six one, six two, six three, six four. Okay. Of those guys that are definite starters, those seven O's, mm-hmm. there might only be 
15, 16, right. 17. And every draft board I've ever been associated with, mm-hmm. there's never been more than 20 or 21 mm-hmm. that we had listed in the first round. That makes sense. Now, do we take... We're picking in the first round. Mm-hmm. We're, let's say we're number 24 or number 25. We've got to take somebody. Right. They're all bunched down in that 6'1", 6'2", 6'3". Now it becomes... Who do you have at 6'4", right. as opposed to somebody else at 6'1"? And then it's okay to match need with that, with that, with that draft grade. Absolutely, and especially if it's one guy's a 6'4", and the other guy's a 6'3". Mm-hmm. But if a guy's a 6'6", and another guy's a 6'1", mm-hmm. then you're reaching a little bit, even yeah. though they're both within that category mm-hmm. of yeah. have the ability to be a starter with development within two years. The other thing people got to remember is that this team is signed free agents. They've plugged guys already in at the tight end position, a couple at the wide receiver position. They have made declarations with the money that they've spent on guys that they need right now. Right guard, Brandon Sheriff, an instant starter. Evan Ingram's going to come in and give them a lot, uh, I would think, potential in the tight end and, and and then of course the two wide receivers. So I, I've done a lot of work here. I believe that that's the key to free agency. Mm-hmm. You know what when you take guys at free agency and whether or not they made the right choices or mm-hmm. not. Right. We'll find out. But they think they made the right choices mm-hmm. or else they wouldn't have done it. Yeah. The reason they do that is so they don't have to necessarily pick for need and reach for somebody. Yeah. They can look at the board and say, for us to go forward and be a better football team two, three years down the road, mm-hmm. I'm going to take the best player that I have on the board. Yeah. And if it happens to coincide with need, man, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And need is what you are all about in free agency. Absolutely. Okay, you don't need to be all about need in the draft. And they go out and they get an interior defensive lineman. They get a running linebacker that led the league in tackling in Olakun last year. So they've done a lot of things. Have they done it well? We don't know. Yes, We're find we out. will find out. <laughs> That's a great thing about it. That's what makes it exciting right now. All right. So what we're, we're just going to wrap it up right here. And then we'll have another podcast next week, which we will be able to say this is who and, we have. Yeah, exactly. We are loaded yeah. at this position or... Holy crap, what happened? <laughs> it's going to be one of those, right? Yep, and, right. and it always is. That's right. that. It's 50-50 on these guys. Yeah, so enjoy it. We hope you enjoy it. We'll be back next Tuesday. Coach, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoyed Co- it, guys. Coach, Coach Campo, Joe C., right here on a, well, the eve of the draft.